minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome into a Saturday edition of a Pack a Day Podcast. Not your normal Saturday crew here with you today. My name is Nick Schmitz. I will be your host for today. And back with me, just like old times from last year, Jacob Westendorf joining me again. Jacob, it's been a while since it's just been you and me. It's been probably, what, since sometime during the season last year? Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think it was around mid-season or something like that that we switched a few things up yeah I think we did one at Christmas and that might have been the last time that we did just you and me Um, so it's it's great to be back with you today filling in on a Saturday Um, and you know Jacob we've been we've been talking about this I know I've mentioned this pretty much it seems like every time I've been on the last couple of weeks you know we're just really at that point in the season where there's not a whole lot going on uh, as far as news and discussion, but it's some, I, I guess, I don't know, some a little bit of Packer news. Uh, the Packers uh, yesterday released running back Capri Bibbs, um, and I'll be honest, when I read that they released him, I didn't even know he was on the roster, and I don't know much about him, but... Uh, but he has been released by the Packers. And one of the things that I, you know, Jacob, I wouldn't, I don't have any idea. So I'm going to maybe look to you if you maybe have a theory or some knowledge on this. But why would the Packers cut him at the end of, uh, of, the, of this camp? Like, I don't, is there like a, a benefit that they would gain? Because I can't imagine the 95 or whatever odd man roster is that you have up until, you know, near the end of the preseason. I can't imagine that there's a roster effect for it. So, Jacob, do you have any thoughts on why, like, what the advantage the Packers might have gained by releasing him? I figured they would, you know, at least keep somebody, uh, you know, through the most of camp and through preseason. So what, why, what, what, make, what do you think is the reason as to why they released him now? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, shout out to my good friend and cousin Colin Barron. Capri Bibbs was his favorite player, so. I know that you're mourning right now, and I apologize uh, for the pain that my favorite team has brought upon you. But to answer your question more closely, Nick, um, you know, the Packers, I don't know that they necessarily have a benefit for themselves other than they're kind of strange and like to keep that last roster spot open just in case there's a move they want to make prior to camp or something like that. Um, You know, sign a free agent or maybe a player gets injured and they sign a veteran to – kind of fill that role. But something else that um, I thought of was that, you know, Capri Bibbs is a veteran and maybe they were doing him a bit of a solid by cutting him. Because if you think about it, I mean, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are entrenched. They're going to be in green Bay and they're going to be the bell cows. If you will, they're going to get the lion's share of those carries. They drafted Dexter Williams. They like him. He fits the scheme very well. Uh, and there are some people that believe that by the middle of the year or maybe later in the year that Dexter Williams is getting the carries that Jamal Williams used to get uh, in this zone scheme. So that puts Bibbs at best as the number four running back on this roster. And, I mean, realistically, how much burn is a number four running back going to get? I know Owen and I talked about this 
a couple weeks ago that with LaFour's system, it's certainly a possibility that the fourth running back gets something going, but it's also possible that Green Bay could find the fourth running back as an undrafted free agent, some, you know, late training camp addition, something like that, just some late roster fodder that contributes a little bit more on special teams. I know Capri Bibbs returned kickoffs for a little bit last year, but it doesn't seem like they're doing that, which the Packers did do some interesting things in training camp at the kickoff return position. I mean, Jair Alexander was back there uh, along with Trevor Davis. So, I mean, that's a discussion point in and of itself. But ultimately with Bibbs, it just comes down to ultimately, I think, the, the Packers doing a favor uh, for somebody who's been in the league a little bit, give him a chance to find something where, because he's been good wherever he's been. He was pretty good in Washington. He was Adrian Peterson's primary backup. Uh, and then they had Chris Thompson return from injury and fat Rob, who's not fat anymore, apparently. So it's just <laughs> Rob Kelly uh, come off of their injured list. And can you tell them in baseball mode by using their injured list uh, term there? But um, so he was good there. And then he just kind of got caught in a numbers game. Seems like something else similar happened here. So I think he can catch on somewhere. Hopefully it's not in a place where, you know, he can hurt the Packers because obviously if you have a guy that was on your roster and then you see him, you know, two weeks later uh, and then in the regular season running all over the place for the Minnesota Vikings or something like that as Dalvin Cook's backup, that's going to hurt a little bit. But, I mean, like you said, this is something that if this were in the middle of September, we probably wouldn't even touch on it but it's June 14th and there's a month and 11 days until training camp starts. So we've got a lot that we need to discuss some time to fill and uh, a few things like that. So unfortunately it's that dead period, you know, and we're hitting that part of the year where, you know, hockey season for those of you that are hockey fans. So all six of you in the United States and then Canada, <laughs> uh, that season's over. The NBA finals obviously ended uh, with the Toronto Raptors dethroning the golden state warriors and uh so we've got not a whole lot to talk about so it's kind of that dead period for sports unless you're a big baseball fan yeah which hey maybe you are and if you are hey this is probably a fun time of year for you where you don't have to be competing with other sports for tv time so um but uh, yeah so in any case capri bibbs cut from the packers at the end of this mini camp here um and so like I said, I, I don't know what the logic reasoning behind it is. You know, I'm sure the Packers have good reasons for doing it, but Capri Bibbs, short stint in Green Bay over now and uh, just moving forward. So the other thing, Jacob, that we wanted to talk about today is going back to the wide receiver room, and I'm sure you've seen this throughout the week, and I'm sure many of you listening have heard about this, uh, but it it's kind of being tossed around right now that we know Devontae Adams is the solid number one. Nobody's dethroning him from that position as the number one receiver on the team right now. And everybody kind of just assumed that Geronimo Allison, mostly just due to having experience, would come in as the number two wide receiver, and then you'd have the three rookies kind of battling it out for you know, slots three through five. But it's kind of being tossed around now that Marquez Valdez-Scantling is outperforming Geronimo Allison for that number two spot. And so, Jacob, I mean, like we've said, there's there's a lot of time and there's a lot of camp and preseason and everything to go through before we hit week one versus the Bears. But, I mean, is this a real thing that – MVS could be the number two receiver 
behind Devontae Adams come opening day? Well, yes, uh, and I want to preface this by saying, again, it's, you know, it's June 14th, and there's a lot of guys that have been spring stars that we got all excited about and then found out. Trevor Davis, I think, is a prime example of this, and not to, not to bag on him. You know, making plays in shorts is something that Trevor Davis has always excelled at. That's when the pads came on that things became a little bit more difficult for him. And that's why he hasn't really found a niche in this Packers offense. Now, that's something that could definitely change uh, for Trevor Davis. But you asked me about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So to answer the question, he's more talented than Geronimo Allison. He's a better athlete. Uh, Geronimo is kind of on the roster because he made a play a day in training camp, and he's just kind of taking things and run with it. But from an athletic upside standpoint, there's not a lot there. Uh, He's a limited athlete. He's not very fast. Um, he's not very elusive. He's one of those guys that he's just hard to explain because then on the other side of the coin, obviously you saw the production in the short sample size last year with Allison as a starter. And actually people don't really remember this except for, you know, maybe those that are at the very top of Geronimo Allison's fan club again. So I don't think there's a lot of those people that exist, but (laughs) Um, if they do, then they'll tell you that Geronimo Allison led the Packers in receiving uh, when he was placed on reserve. So that's a guy who, again, and I mean, if you really think about it, whenever he's been given an extended opportunity, he's made plays. You know, in 2016, during the run the table year, Allison stepped in for Randall Cobb seamlessly, made plays on the field, kind of made it to where that absence, if you will, of Cobb just wasn't as pronounced because he made plays. Um, and then last year, obviously, the, the touchdown that really got Green Bay going, beautiful pass from Rodgers, but a great catch from Allison as well. And he did some good things. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, talent almost always wins out in this, in this league, and it, as it should, obviously, um, you know, because talented players are the reason teams win. Um, so with Valdez Scantling, there's been a lot of really smart football people saying that he fits this offense perfectly. Um, I haven't dug in on the offense enough to say something like that. So I'm not going to say that. And just to pull something out of my butt to just talk. Um, but if that's the case, if there's smart people saying that that's exciting because this is a guy who, I mean, he had some stretches last year where he disappeared obviously, but there was also that stretch during the season where he looked really good. The deep post was back in green Bay and it was because Valdez Scantling could run it. Um, made a couple big plays against uh, the Los Angeles Rams, made a couple against the New England Patriots, and that's with Bill Belichick uh, scheming against him. So that's exciting. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys he's the next coming of Jerry Rice. Um, we but, can only hope. Well, <laughs> I mean, if he is, obviously I'm going to be very happy about that. But, yeah, you're right. We can only hope that he is. Uh, but he fits very well. And as far as what Green Bay's offense has been missing really since the 2014 season, Scantling has – the skill set to provide that he can run the deep ball and he can blow the top off the defense, which is something that green Bay hasn't had since Jordy Nelson pre ACL injury. That's going on five years now. That's a long time. So there's a lot of reasons that big plays have been missing from this offense. One of the biggest ones is the lack of deep speed at wide receiver. Scantling can provide that. His biggest thing is going to be consistency, but it sounds like there's a lot of people in that Packers building really excited about him. And the fact that he's already appearing to run ahead of Jamaronimo Allison, uh, obviously a lot of things can change, but it's only positive stuff for 83 at this point. 
It, you know, and I mean, it, it's exciting. I know when, I, 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 for me personally, when they drafted Valdez Scantling and even Equinemia St. Brown, I really liked both of those guys coming into the year last year. I was really excited for both of them, both big bodies, physical bodies, and can can run. And it, it's nice to have that uh, on on this team. Big targets for Aaron to throw to. But I was thinking about this. Do you think it's fair to say that the wide receiver position on this team is the most has the most question marks? Not necessarily about who's going to be on the roster and who's going to be good, but you know, I mean, you know, we were talking that it seemed like Allison was kind of the lock for the number two. Now it's you know, is he the three? And where do MVS and EQ fall in on the depth chart? And then you have the lower end of it where you have uh, Jamon Moore, who, you know, he was the first receiver drafted from the 2018 draft of the receivers and had the least amount of production. So there's question marks with him. You know, Aaron Rodgers has said great things about Jake Kumro again this offseason, and, you know, he seems to be a fan favorite in Green Bay. And then you have a player like Trevor Davis who's been with the team for, you know, a few years now, and he's shown a lot of potential and explosiveness in the return game, but as far as a wide receiver, he hasn't done a whole lot in his in his tenure with the Packers so I mean how do you see this receiver room shaking down and I mean are we I guess if I don't think all of these guys will make the roster I just don't think they'll keep that many receivers but I mean is there any and obviously we're taking um Devontae Adams out of the equation because we know he's going to make the roster but I mean do you think like, would you be surprised if they released somebody somebody like one of the rookies from last year or even Trevor Davis or Jake Kumaro? I mean, like I said, I don't think they're all making the roster. But, I mean, other than Devontae Adams at this point, are any of them like a true lock to make this team this year? Well, let me start by saying um, Jeff Janice could absolutely beat out Devontae Adams for that role. So, tweets circa, what, Two years ago, three years ago now. I still can't believe that was ever thing. But um, to answer your question, locks to make the roster, I mean, I would be like – I would break it down from the standpoint. I would be – I would say that Valdez Scantling is probably a lock to make the roster. And I would be very, very surprised if Equinemia St. Brown didn't make the roster. After that – I think anything's open for discussion. You know, Jamon Moore, you mentioned he was the first guy drafted, and that could save him uh, if he has another shaky camp, but it also may not. So it wouldn't be surprising, too surprising, if they cut him. Geronimo Allison is on a one-year deal for limited money. If, let's just say, for example, higher athletic upside players, Valdez Scantle, Nate Brown, Jamon Moore, Trevor Davis, outperform him, he could be out the door. Uh, I certainly think that's an unlikely scenario, but one that is certainly possible. Uh, Jake Kumaro is the one. It's going to be an interesting battle. You know, I think that ultimately Kumaro has to have another splashy camp, very similar to the way he did last year, just because there's so many odds that are stacked against him from, again, the athletic upside standpoint, 
Kumaro, Owen always likes to joke, is older than he is, uh, which means he's my age. Uh, so he probably is what he is at this standpoint. But there is some intrigue to him, too. I don't mean to sell him short. You know, the, the Jets game last year, Kumaro got extended snaps, uh, had three catches, including a big touchdown reception, which was uh, exciting. And uh, as you mentioned, the fans love him. I vividly remember at the Cardinals game last year, uh, I was in the stadium and the fans booed when the Packers took him off the field. So, um, so that was funny for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, the big thing with the big thing to remember is it's not a bad thing if the quarterback is saying positive things about you. So Jake Kumaro having Aaron Rodgers say positive things about him in the media isn't a bad thing. However, uh, it doesn't really mean a whole lot either because just for example, Rodgers voiced that he thought Jordy Nelson should stick around for a year. They cut him anyways. Uh, He said he felt Randall Cobb had several good years left in him, and he did use the word several. They let him go and didn't even offer him a contract based on the money that he got in Dallas. Uh, A few years ago, he said Jared Aberderis needs to be on the field more, and Aberderis was buried behind the guys that uh, they had on the team. So Rodgers has input, but it's, it's been made very clear over the years uh, who's in charge. And that was true with Ted Thompson. It appears to ring true again here with Brian Gutekunst uh, that the Packers are going to make their personnel decisions completely independent uh, of the quarterback. So as far as how the room shakes, I mean, the nice part about training camp is you always look, you know, there's always position battles. And with all due respect to, you know, the year that the position battle in 2011, for example, was the left guard spot when T.J. Lang and Derek Sherrod, their first-round pick at the time, were competing for that position. That's cool. Um, you know, the, the ones that really want to pay attention to what's going on in a game are, are going to pay attention to stuff like that. But the casual fan, the people that are going to training camp, they want to see the sexy stuff. You know, last year the intriguing one uh, was running back, and it kind of was the year before that as well with Jones, Williams, and uh, Devontae Mays all being rookies that first year and just kind of seeing who was going to be the guy to kind of take hold of that position. And ultimately, you know, we've kind of seen how that has gone this year. It's receivers and even tight ends to some degree, because I think, you know, Jay Sternberger obviously is going to make the roster. Jimmy Graham is very, very likely to make the roster, but I mean, do you see enough from Robert Tanya? Does he take a step forward? Does, how are they using Mercedes Lewis in the offense? Because he's somebody that if Sternberger's ahead of the curve and if Tanyan has taken a step as a player, Mercedes Lewis could self phased out. That's a possibility. But I think the battle that everybody's going to be looking forward to is, like you said, with so much uncertainty creates opportunity, and that opportunity is there for a lot of guys, and that receiver spot is going to be something to behold. And ultimately, you know, I think even in the even in the preseason, I would just put Devontae Adams on the sideline and bubble wrap. And there you go. Uh, that's, I mean, that's what I would do is don't even bother. I don't need to see him in the preseason. I would say the same for your Aaron Rodgers. I wonder if Matt LaFleur will take a page out of his old buddy, Sean McVay's playbook and do it that way. Um, but I would certainly, because the other thing you mentioned is yes, Devonte Adams, clear cut, no question. Number one, also the only proven wide receiver on the roster. And they're a rolled ankle away from, 
a lot of potential and a whole lot of question marks at that receiver position. That's kind of one of the gambles that they took uh, with the way they approached this offseason. So I'm going to be looking forward to that battle. You know, I kind of want to see who's earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers, who's picked up the offense, stuff like that, even though it's relatively vanilla. Um, maybe, you know, maybe when that time gets closer, Nick, we'll have to hit up a training camp practice or something like that. And we can report from stuff we actually saw on the field that day. That would, that would be good. Uh, that, it, you know, but we should make that happen, Jacob. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think um, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be the most watched position. I feel uh, this coming, this coming training camp for for the Packers, because like you said, beyond Devonte Adams, it's a whole lot of question marks. I mean, yeah, you can argue that Geronimo Allison has a little bit of experience, but I mean, in the totality of it all, there's there's not a whole lot of on field experience in that in that wide receiver room. So, um, well, Jacob. So before we wrap up here, quick question, because it's been all the rage now that the NBA Finals is over, and I just I just want your quick take on this, your quick sports take on this. Um, I contend, and I mean, I understand injuries happen. I contend, though, that if the Warriors were healthy, that they would beat the Raptors. Do you buy that? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, the Warrior, you know, when healthy is always the caveat with any prediction you ever make. My good friend and the very old and wise Jason Perrone would tell you when healthy, if they're healthy. He says that all the time, every show we ever do. And the Warriors. Simply by, I mean, you know, the crazy part is they weren't healthy. They were beat to hell. And if Clay Thompson's knee doesn't explode, we could be talking about a game seven on Monday night in Toronto. So, yes, I do believe that. However, I will also say I, I don't feel sorry for the Warriors because I, I do think it's funny. Uh, the people that basically dismiss the fact that in 2015 the Cavs were playing without Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Love basically use that excuse now uh, for the Warriors. So I, I do think that's kind of funny. But, yes, I do think the Warriors were a better team when they're healthy. I also think that now that they're not healthy that the dynasty ended. And I don't know if they'll ever win again. Uh, but I think it was over on whatever night. It's, what, Saturday now? So they played Thursday night. I think that was the night we saw the Warriors dynasty end. Well, you you did a great job answering that question because I was going to ask a follow-up and you answered that follow-up. I was going to ask if the injury excuse is a valid one or not. And it, the answer it is... is... It is. Um, because, I mean, everybody, every fan base against you always says, oh, no excuses. But like, okay, a team loses its best player, Kevin Durant, and its third best player, Clay Thompson, and is essentially playing with... Steph Curry and four guys that shoot like you and I do. I mean, <laughs> hey, you've never seen really me shoot. Team. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Former uh, Wisconsin Green Bay alum, though Alfonso McKinney was out there getting minutes. So good for him. I don't know, Nick. Did you ever see him play? I don't think you were up there when that happened. No, no, I did not get to see him play when he was at uh, UWGB. Yeah, he was. He was fun to watch. That's. It's crazy to me that. So when I was in school. McKinney was like the third best player on that team behind Kiefer Sykes, who was playing overseas, and Alec Brown, who got drafted. And I'm not quite sure whatever became of him. Uh, but the third best player on that team at that time is the one getting minutes in the NBA. It's crazy how that stuff out. 
Yeah, absolutely is. Well, Jacob, one last question before we wrap up here. Quick, simple yes or no. Um, tomorrow, United States women's soccer team playing a, their second game. And, you know, for the life of me, I don't actually know who they're playing. So forgive me for that. I know the game starts at 11. Will you be watching that? Uh, we have a baseball game at 11 tomorrow, so no, but not because of something weird like I don't like soccer. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if for all of you listening, if you have time, Sunday, 11 a.m. on Fox, make sure you go support the United States women's soccer team, cheer them on, and uh, oh, by the way, please don't be that person that says that scoring 13 goals is a problem. It's not. If you, if you don't want them to score, stop them. So that's that's my little spiel on that. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow the Packaday Podcast on Twitter, at Packaday Podcast. And, Jacob, how can people follow you on Twitter? You can follow me. It's at Jacob Westendorf. Also, since we mentioned the NBA Finals, uh, brief shout-out to the Rockford native, Fred Van Vliet, for winning that championship. There's just about nothing positive that ever comes out of Rockford, so getting a little bit of a positive light for the city of Rockford. Cool to see on Thursday. Kudos to him and everything else. It's a, it's a really cool story. For those of you that don't know uh, Van Vliet's story, first of all, it's Van Vliet with a V, not Van Fleet with an F. Uh, but if you don't know a story, check it out. There's some pretty cool stuff that's been written on him, and it's, uh, it's all true. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy to see that a kid that I watched play in high school is now um, playing in the NBA and on the biggest stage. So that was cool. But, yeah, you can follow me. That's what you asked about. <laughs> At Jacob Westendorf. And for those of you that don't know, Jacob Westendorf lives in Rockford. That is why he is mentioning that. So, Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. Well, and as always, you can follow me at Sports Smitty. Although, as Jacob has pointed out time and time again, as I keep saying on the podcast every time I mention this, there's not really a reason to follow me because I don't tweet that much. But if you care to... Go to Twitter, at SportsMitty. You can follow me there as well. So thank you guys again so much for listening. We really appreciate all the support. Make sure you're liking and subscribing on your favorite podcast platform for the Pack-A-Day podcast. And as always, Go Pack Go! Sunday night football in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun. Here's the snap. Rushes on. Rodgers nowhere to go, and he snowed under Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack. And Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Down at 19 from the Green Bay 30. Snap to Kaiser under pressure. Immediately dumps it up right side. It's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15, to the 10. He's to the 5 to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Max had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. Nine fourteen to go in the third. Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. 
snap to A-Rod, looking around and waiting. Lofts it, deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone, makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown! What a throw, and what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Allison. Corey Lindsley on the snap. Four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks. Lost. Left side. Got a man out there. to Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws the left, got Devontae inside the 10, head fake, cut left to the 5, reaches, pylon, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod. Rushes on.